Welcome to Frontline Church South OKC Sermon Podcast. Each week we will have new sermon content from Sunday mornings, both video and audio options. Please visit south.frontlinechurch.com for more information. If you have any questions, need prayer, or have any other needs at all, please email hello at frontlinechurch.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. The scripture for today's teaching is Mark 4, 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of God to us. Thanks be to God. All right, you guys can take a seat. Good morning. It's good to be with you. If you don't know me, my name is Sean. I get to serve as, as one of our pastors here at the church. And we are in the series uh, studying the gospel of Mark. And uh, hey, if you're here and you're new, or uh, maybe you would say that you're, you don't call yourself a Christian, or maybe you uh, feel skeptical of Christianity, this is a great time to jump in because we're just following the story of Jesus. We're going along as he begins to heal people and teach people about the kingdom of God, and he begins to make claims about who he is and why he came. And so up to this point, uh, we've made it through uh, three and a half chapters. We've seen Jesus heal a few people that are sick. And he's called some disciples to himself saying, do you want to follow me? Do you want to come of heaven is like using these stories called parables. And up to this point, Jesus has felt pretty safe. He's felt pretty safe. Like nothing that he's done has really freaked anyone out too much. He's actually, he's actually kind of gaining some popularity. And today and next week, what we're going to see is that Jesus actually starts to unveil his power in a way that makes people uncomfortable. In Mark chapter 4, the story that we've just read is one of the most precious stories of our faith. And a couple of things before we jump into this passage that I want to say, what is precious to us often becomes well-known, and the things that are well-known can lose their impact and power in our lives if we're not careful about the way that we hold them. So today, my hope is that we would take a fresh look at this, and today is going to feel a little bit like public transportation in a big city. I'll just give you a fair warning. It's going to be one of those talks that if you get off a little bit too early, you're going to find yourself in a dark place, maybe a place that you didn't intend to be. So we've got some ground to cover. We're going to get to some good news, Uh, and what, what I hope for our church today is that in a story that's precious, we don't just skim the highlights of a familiar story, but we actually open up the word of God to read it, and as we read it, we let it read us. 
and we let it speak to us in the place that we find ourselves, and we let it shape us, and we let it come to us in our doubts and in our pain. So this is a story that the early church regular, regularly read and remembered because it gave them great comfort in the midst of enduring persecution and pain. And they painted tons of art, and they hung it up where they could see it. They read the story again and again to themselves, not because they were fishermen or people that found themselves in a boat a lot of times, and they, were just, they wanted to be reassured against their fears of waves and wind. That's not why they did it. They were regular people that were enduring life. They needed to be reminded of the power of God. They needed to be reminded over and over again of the authority of, of Jesus in the chaos of life. And hey, you and I are those people too. We are those people. Today we come to this scripture asking God to meet with us in the midst of our chaos and our uncertainty. So I want to give you three observations that I think are going to be helpful for us as we try to take a fresh look at a precious text. Three observations from this text for us today. The first is when a storm comes, the chaos is all around us. It's all around us and it's real. Let's imagine this scene together of the story that we've just read. It's Jesus's idea to get in the boat and cross the Sea of Galilee. Now, let me just tell you a couple of things about the Sea of Galilee. Um, this, this ain't no Lake Draper. This is, uh, this is like 30 miles in length by about 12 miles in width. So think about like just a, an enormous swath of sea from about Norman to Edmond, 12 miles wide. It's a big sea. And these are guys in a wooden boat, and they've got uh, you know four of them rowing. This is the way this would have gone. They begin to cross, and uh, Jesus just realizes, hey, this is going to be a few hours. He fades to the back or the stern of the boat and begins to rest. And we see in some of the translations of the Bible, it says that an enormous squall developed immediately, and it was furious. Now, I feel like some people might read this story and go, how would a thunderstorm this goes, man? We know that you can have a day that looks pretty pleasant, looks pretty nice, and we can comment to each other, what a nice day. And then we realize the sky just got dark really quick, right? Um, Oklahomans, we understand this. We know what happens in the springtime when the warm fronts from the Gulf of Mexico come up and they begin to collide with the cool fronts rolling off of the Rocky Mountains. Like, you don't have to explain that to us. We know what's going to happen. So these fishermen, they were in a similar place. They, they experienced this regularly. They, they regular, regularly fished the Sea of Galilee. And uh, this is a place, if you look at this map, the sea was, it sits, it currently even sits 700 feet below sea level. This is the topography of the area. 700 feet below sea level is the sea. And then if you look about 30 miles to the northwest, you have what is currently called Mount Hermon, and it sits at, the, the elevation is 9,200 feet. That's a big difference. 9,200 above sea level all the way to 700 below. Some crazy storms would happen in this place, and they still do to this day. And, uh, and here we are in the evening, it says, that they set out to go across the sea. Now, the sea, historically, in the Bible and in other places, represents all that is unknown and scary 
and chaotic, all that is dark and mysterious in the world. Think about it. Centuries later, it's still pretty dark and scary. Like we're pulling things out of the sea that we, we've never seen before. This is still happening. And, uh, and, and this is the, the kind of scenario that Mark is writing to his, uh, to his readers to understand. We know that the sea can be a scary place. And here they are. The waves are crashing in. The boat is filling up, it says. The chaos is all around them, crashing in on them. And Jesus is asleep. These were experienced fishermen, some of them. The storms before they had gone through, they knew they could handle, but something about this is different. Now, I want to pause here for a second and just remember that Mark is not giving us this story so that we know what happened. God is actually offering something to his disciples for all time. We're being given something if we'll lean into it just a little bit. So can we just take a moment and name the season that we've been in for the last couple of years. Maybe we could name that for a second. The last 18 months have, have just felt like the waves won't stop crashing in. The boat is filling up. There is not a person in this room that ever thought they would experience the kind of global chaos that every single one of us have experienced for the last 18 months. And I think if we're honest... Everyone in this room is just ready for a little peace. We're just ready for a little peace, man. Um, I was thinking about this question this week. Ask yourself, is there anything in your life, any relationship, any, any of your normal day-to-day activity, is there anything in your life that in the last 18 months on some level has not been disrupted? That's a big deal. I can't think of a single thing that has not been disrupted. Our business owners have felt it. Our our students have felt it. Our parents have felt it as they've tried to navigate, like bringing kids back into the house to try to do uh, learning from home. It's crazy to me that 18 months ago, we all just, it felt like we just started out by going, hey man, how do we care for one another in a way that we can all just stay healthy? And somewhere along the way, it's like we realized that this wasn't going to be a short-term problem, but this pandemic was going to last a while, and the chaos just started to rise. And we just started finding the stupidest things to fight over. Like, we, we found dumber and dumber things to fight over. Some of us can't believe that anyone is insane enough not to wear a mask, and some of us can't believe anyone is insane enough to wear a mask. Some of us don't understand how anyone could be crazy enough to ever go get a vaccine. Some of us don't have any idea how anyone could be insane enough to get a vaccine. Am I right? Somehow in the middle of a global pandemic, people are still figuring out ways to take guns into public places and just shoot people at will. Somehow in the middle of a global pandemic, we are still finding ways to escalate every racial tension in our nation and everything, I mean everything, has become political, hasn't it? I mean, when I moved to Oklahoma, I was like 12 and a half, I was like, you know, maybe 12 and a half, 13 years old, and I was living in the cornfields of Ames, Iowa. And I'm moving to Oklahoma. My, uh, my cousins are already living here. They grew up in Oklahoma. And I'm talking to them on the phone, and they're like, hey, man, it's cool that you're moving to Oklahoma. 
you just got to really watch your back. You just got to really be careful like what clothes you wear. You got to be careful what kind of music you listen to because the gangs are pretty bad down here. I was like, the gangs? Like the fighting, like the fighting gang, like the ones that snap and sing songs? No, like the real gangs. It's bad down here. I was like, oh man, well, I'm moving to this town called Moore. Like, is that a pretty big deal there? And they're like, oh yeah, you're going to want to watch out. And what I realized when I got here was that was not true at all. But the, the, the fear that I feel right now, like when I've got to be careful. If, if I talk about the things that I care about, I've got to be careful what I wear. I've got to be careful the type of mask that I put on my face or the kind of car that I drive or the kind of straw that I drink out of because I, I don't want to be associated with the crazy blue gang and I don't want to be associated with the crazy red gang. I've got to be really careful. And if I'm honest, I don't even understand the rules. And you don't either, because they're changing every single day. The chaos surrounds us. (laughs) And and I just want to say, like, as an aside from one of your pastors, hey, if we can't figure out how to engage in these kinds of conversations and extend grace to one another over these types of things, I just suspect that we're a really long way from being ready to truly love our enemies. Like, we're just a long ways off. If we can't even engage in conversation with one another and extend grace. We're a long ways off. Chaos surrounds us. And just this week, new stories, COVID variants, new controversies about kids returning back to school in just a few weeks, and what the protocols need to be, and what they shouldn't be, and what the mask stuff should be, and what it shouldn't be. And I just want to say, like, the anxiety is raising again. Does anyone else just want to scream into the storm? That's what it feels like. We can identify with this feeling of chaos being all around us. The way that the disciples felt, the water is literally filling up the boat. The waves are crashing in. The disciples, they've got to be looking at each other. They're looking at the waves. They're looking at the storm. They're looking at Jesus. And they've got to be going, how on earth could he sleep during a time like this? This is crazy. And finally, they come to him. Look at verse 38. It says, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? This brings us to a second observation about the story and about the storms in our own lives. First, when a storm comes, the chaos really is all around us. But second, when a storm comes, the chaos is also within us. It's within us. They're experiencing this storm on the outside, but it starts to creep in. It's on the inside of them too. The panic starts to set in and they have to have had this moment where they went from feeling like, hey, this is just another storm. We've dealt with this. We can do this again. We probably don't need Jesus in this situation to looking at each other going, if someone doesn't wake him up, we're all going to die. If the chaos of the storm had stayed on the outside, that would be one thing. But the chaos, man, of the storm, it creeps in. It always creeps in. And when the chaos of the storm starts to creep in, it brings with it doubts and fears and questions like, does God even care if the pandemic and the political tensions and the racial tensions and the people shooting one another were just somewhere out there, out there in our country, that would be one thing. And if that isn't enough, we feel the chaos of our own lives. We feel the chaos of our own families, don't we? I don't think I'm the only one. 
You know how when you were a kid and you just thought like, man, as soon as I just, if I could just get older, things would be less complicated. <laughs> things would just be so much easier, man. If I just become an adult, I could just do it. No, I wouldn't have to worry about all the stuff. And then you get older and you realize like you know more and the more that you know, the more you're responsible for and the more that you care about the people around you, the more weight that you have to carry. And sometimes it just feels like the weight of the world is more than you can let sit on your shoulders. I'm just thinking, in our church this year, aside from the fears that we're all carrying as we live through a historic pandemic, we have families that are absolutely coming apart at the seams and they don't even know how they got there. And they're in a place where they're just like, I don't even know where to go forward for me. Do we even want to try to put things back together? We've got people that have lost jobs, addictions have crept in, Many of you have buried loved ones. We have families in our church that have gone through just the unbearable pain of miscarriage. People that we love have turned away from Jesus to just try to figure out life their own way. Plenty of other painful things are happening. It's the chaos within us. And if you felt some of this, you finally, you've, you've probably found yourself praying a prayer that goes something like, Jesus, are you really asleep right now? Do you really care at all? Do you see me? Do you hear me? Because I think if you knew about any of this that was going on, I think you would care and you would want to do something about it. The disciples, in their own storm, they confront Jesus like he's obviously, he's obviously made some kind of mistake, right? He's obviously underestimated the seriousness of the situation. And it's like they come to him and they wake him up and I think we all... And they probably just, you know, imagined that he would wake up and he would go, guys, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I dozed off, didn't I? I had no idea that a storm was coming. I had no idea. Thanks for waking me up. That's not what he says. Look what he says, verse 40. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Man, Jesus is in this completely different state of mind than the way that these guys are seeing the situation. Jesus is like in this place where he's just so confident in the Father's love and grasp on the entire world that he's just asleep. This is not their state of mind. This is not our state of mind. What do you mean, why are we so afraid? The boat is filling up with water. Boats aren't supposed to do that, Jesus. Our sails are shredded. The waves are deep. The wind is really strong. We all feel like we're about to die. That's why we're afraid. Hey, Jesus, it feels like every single time we turn on the television or we scroll through our timelines, we're getting more bad news. It feels like I don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring, let alone what the fall semester is going to mean for my kids going back to school. And are they going to even be safe? I feel the chaos of my own life. I feel the chaos of my friends' lives and my job and my neighborhood and inside of my home. That's why I'm afraid, Jesus. The chaos is creeping in all around me. And he says to them, have you no faith? This could be translated, where is your faith? Your fear is demonstrating the places that you're focusing on. Hey, it's not that you don't have faith. It's that your faith actually happens to be in how strong the sea is and how deep the waves are and how uncertain the future feels right now. That's the place that you're focusing on. That's what your faith is in. 
Man, I, I, I just want to be honest for a moment and tell you, I don't like the way that this story starts out. Jesus is like, hey guys, everybody in the boat, we're going to go for a ride. And he knows where they're going. They don't have any idea. They're just like, we trust you, Jesus. We'll get in the boat with you. And um, he knows where they're going. He knows what they're headed into. I don't like this, but also it is comforted, it's comforted me more than I have words to tell you. There are times in the last year when my wife and I have had conversations with one another and we've had conversations with the living God. We've cried out to him and it's like the underlying cry of our heart has been, God, do you even care? Do you even see us? All these times that we're crying out to you, all the tears that we've cried, do you, do you not even see any of it? But I think back to the track record of God's faithfulness in my life, you know what it does? It calms my fears. Um, some of you know that in 2018, I, uh, I had a really big surprise, the surprise of my life up to that point. In the period of about three weeks, I went from just seeing a doctor and finding out that I had a problem with my aortic valve in my heart to then, in just a few days, laying on an operating table with a team of surgeons cutting me open, stopping my heart, doing everything that they could in a period of several hours to try to get my heart working properly again and, uh, and getting me off of that operating table. And man, it just felt like a storm. <laughs> like, it came pretty out of nowhere. It felt like a storm. And, uh, and I, think, I think I said at the time, I, I certainly said to my wife, and this is what I felt, I just have this sense that Jesus is leading me into something. I just have this sense that he's really not asleep. I just have this sense that maybe in all of this, like here I am living a normal life in my 30s to, to then kissing my wife and my kids, not knowing if I was going to wake up from that surgery. I just feel like God is leading me into a place where maybe I might come out on the other side and know him deeper. And I might actually see him more clearly. And I might be able to trust him for the days ahead when there are other uncertain times coming. And here I am today still trying to figure out how to trust him more. I'm still in a place where I'm, I'm saying the words to God. Hey, I believe you, but I need you to help me with my unbelief. I need you to do that for me because I just don't always see clearly what it is that you're doing. But in this new season of uncertainty and new things that it feels like life is thrown at my family and here we are going, we didn't see this coming. This feels like a new storm. I have to look back and I have to say, I don't know, God, him again, he led us through that. He led us through it. He was faithful that whole time. I think we can trust him again. Psalm 121 is this place that I, I regularly go back to that has comforted me so greatly. I just want to read it over you. It says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps his people will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. 
The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Jesus speaks to his disciples and he says, guys, you are focusing on the wrong source of power. You're focusing on the wrong authority. This is crazy. The God that made everything in the world, made them and everything around them, the God who actually sculpted out the sea. Colossians 1 tells us Jesus is the one that's holding all things together at every moment. He's the one that designed the trees, that made the wood, that built the boat these guys are in. This God is in the boat with them and their eyes are on the storm. That's crazy to me. And I do the same thing. And you do the same thing. This should send alarm bells going off in our minds because we're all doing this in the middle of the storms. The people of Jesus would do well to remember, hey, we are not exempt from the storms of life. In fact, we're actually promised that they're coming for us. But when the storms of life come for us, just because Jesus has not kept us out of the storm doesn't mean we shouldn't lift our eyes and cry out to him in the middle of them. When our eyes focus on the storm and the chaos of life, I just, I want to call you to lift your eyes higher. Look at verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Verse 41 And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The third observation that I want us to make before we close today, when a storm comes, hey, the chaos is all around us. It's also within us. But also when a storm comes, the chaos answers to Jesus alone. Hey, Jesus doesn't wake up in the boat and just like ride out the storm with the disciples. That would be amazing. That would be enough. What he's been teaching them in these parables and up to this moment, the last few days, he's teaching them that in the presence of Jesus, the kingdom of God is at hand. And now he's going to show them. He goes with them into the storm and he demonstrates his absolute power over all things. Think about it. They're freaking out. They're so afraid. They really think they're going to die. Jesus stands up and he screams into the chaos. Peace. Be still. And in an instant, things go from crazy to calm. Hey, you guys that fish or you spend time on a boat, you spend time out in, in, the, in a lake or in the ocean or even in a pond, and the waves are choppy, the water's choppy, when the storm passes, when the winds pass, the waves keep going, right? For hours, the waves would have kept going. That's not what happens. It says a great calm, like the water becomes glass. And all of a sudden, they're like, we were afraid before, but now we're terrified. <laughs> Verse 41 says, they were filled with a great fear, and they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And that's the question. Who is he? Who is he really? One of the more confusing things that I think Jesus says before his crucifixion, he says that he came to give people the sign of Jonah. He, he says in the book of Matthew, in the gospel of Matthew, it says, one better than Jonah is here. And maybe you know the story of Jonah, this Old Testament story of a guy named Jonah who's running from, he's rebelling against God, he's running away from him, 
And I don't have time to tell the whole story, but if you know the story, it doesn't really go that well for him. He's running away from God, and he ends up like in the sea, and he's swallowed by a a fish. (laughs) But the parallels to both of these stories are incredible. Look at this with me. In both stories, you have one sent of God traveling in a boat. You have a great storm that comes out of nowhere. In both stories, the one of God is sleeping in the boat. And in both stories, the sailors are terrified, afraid for their life. They go to the person that's sleeping to wake them up. God brings a calm to the storm. And in both stories, the sailors are more afraid after the calm than they were in the middle of the storm. Same thing happens. But in the story of Jonah, Jonah is in the storm because of his own sin. And the word that he says to the sailors is, hey, you're going to have to throw of Jesus. He's actually in the storm bringing calm to the sinners. And his message to them is going to be, hey, unless I die, none of you are going to be able to survive. Unless I die, you'll all be condemned. In this moment, Jesus calms the storm by saying, peace, be still. But all of this is really just a shadow for the time that's coming when the storm, the chaos, the storm of God's wrath and judgment for our sin overwhelms and comes on Jesus. And in that moment, he calms the storm again by saying, it is finished. And when the tomb couldn't hold him, the resurrection was the promise to us that in his death, we could have life. In his storm, we could be given peace for all eternity. This is what Jesus came to give us. In the middle of the storm, the disciples, they go to Jesus, and what he does is he gives them peace. This is what Jesus does. Listen to me. Jesus does not promise to give us peace to the storm that's around us, but he promises to give us peace to the storm that's within us. He'll do that. When we come to him, he doesn't just bring peace to the physical storm, but I just, I read this story and it's just so obvious to me. He declares peace, be still over the physical storm, but also to the men that are in the boat that are so terrified, terrified. They're freaking out. And Jesus comes with the words, peace, be still. The word of God in Psalm 46 speaks the same word to us. It says, though the nations rage, though the mountains crash into the sea, though the waters roar and foam, be still and know that I am God. Like we get invitations out of the chaos and we just gravitate right back to it. That's what we do. Word of God comes to us with an invitation and says, just be still. Just rest in my love. You have an invitation to know even when it feels crazy, I'm holding on to you. We don't know how to do that. We don't know what that looks like. Last week, I had a really fun opportunity. I got to go with my oldest son, Liam. His team, his soccer team has been working really hard. And they had a chance to play in a national championship tournament in Denver, Colorado. It was a really great honor for them. They've worked for it. And it was really fun to go and get to cheer them on. And uh, one of the things that the coach said to us uh, a few weeks before as we were all preparing, the coach said, hey, um, one of the things that, you know, there's just no way to get around is the altitude. And so um, the, the best thing that you could do is if you could, if you could take your, your boys a few days early, like maybe two and a half, three days early, just get there to acclimate, that would make a huge difference for them. 
And, uh, and so that's what we did. Liam and I uh, flew up uh, about two and a half, three days early. And uh, the rest of the family was going to drive up to meet us. And we got there, and I realized what a beautiful invitation we'd been given. Because we didn't have any place to go. We didn't have anything to do. We didn't have a schedule. All we had to do was be in the mountains. What a glorious invitation. Just be in the mountains. Just be in the altitude. Just let the mountains have their way and their effect on your bodies. Just be there. Just be there. This is the invitation that God gives to us. There's nothing that you have to do. There's no place that you have to go. Just be in my presence. Just let the healing balm of the presence of the living God overwhelm you and heal you. Come to me. Rest in me. And I will offer to you peace today. Friends, the world around us speaks chaos to us. I don't have to convince you of this. The world around us speaks chaos, and Jesus speaks a better word. Jesus is the one that said, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world offers you peace, do I give you peace. I came to offer you real, lasting peace that you can go around with you that is going to change the way that you operate with the people around you, your friends, your family. Real, lasting peace. Can we stand together?